Hello there, everybody. Thank you ever so much for joining me on MMA, MMA show number 13, lucky number 13, Matt's Middle Age Mixed Martial Arts Show. Uh, a lot to get into here. Uh, I just got home from uh, the vet's office. The Puggle has a inflamed cyst. She's now on um, antibiotics and uh, some kind of appetite stimulant. And she's probably going to need surgery next week to get it removed. So that's good. It was uh, bleeding all over the house yesterday, uh, all over the bedspread and whatnot. So I took her to the vet today, and now uh, it's going to be another $1,000 bill. So that's uh, good news. Guess I'll be uh, driving the RAV4 a little longer. In other news, this past weekend we had UFC 236. This bad boy took place in the Dirty South, ATL, Georgia. Attendance was 14297 with a total gate of $1.9 million. So a healthy turnout in the ATL, home of Outcast, uh, the greatest rap duo of all time. This was titled uh, Holloway vs. Poirier 2. Uh, the main event was for the interim lightweight championship with Khabib Nurmagomedov still suspended for jumping into the crowd in, after his fight with Conor McGregor. Uh, in the main event, Poirier won by unanimous decision, 49-46 on all three scorecards. Uh Competitive fight here. Uh, I guess my one big takeaway watching that fight was that Poirier was a stronger guy, um, which I wasn't necessarily surprised by, but his punches, um, he landed a knee, like I think in the fourth round that just busted Holloway's face open. His shot seemed to do more damage than Holloway's. Um, and Poirier in the past had fought at 145, um, obviously Holloway is the current 145 pound champ moved up here to 155, but I felt like over the last couple of years, Poirier put on some muscle and put on some strength and Holloway didn't really have time to do that. Um, Poirier moved up to 155 like three years ago and is used to fighting at that weight. Uh, it looked to me like Holloway looked pretty much the same body wise and probably, didn't put on much muscle for this fight because it easily could have been a one-off and he'll go back down to 145. But Poirier, although like shorter and probably had a little bit less of a reach, um, was a stronger guy. He's been fighting bigger guys at 155 the last few years and it's just bigger and stronger. He's even talked about moving up to 170, uh, which I think would be a little much for him. But um there were a few rounds in there where Holloway actually threw more strikes, landed more strikes, but most of the time, and I'm not saying every time, Poirier could kind of just walk through him and kind of paced himself out and landed the harder, better shots. Um, brutal knee uh, to Holloway's nose. I, again, in the fourth, I just busted his face open. Um, but it was competitive. It wasn't like Holloway got blown out. Um but at the same time, it, he did less damage. 
and that's what won Poirier the fight. Uh, first round was awesome. They were both brawling like crazy. Uh, Poirier seemed to get a little tired, but looked like he was pacing himself for a five-round fight and ended up landing the better shots and getting the decision. Um, I was happy for Poirier. I mean, he's a, he's been around a long time. He fought back in WEC um, way back when. I, let's look. Um, he was fighting in WEC in 2010. Nine years ago. Um, and since that time, you know, he's gone like 17 and four, fighting legit the best guys in the world. Um, and he's, he's one of those guys who never really got the respect he deserved. He's good everywhere. Um, people would claim he was kind of chinny, like he couldn't take a shot. And he had a couple knockout losses. There's the Michael Johnson loss, uh, the Conor McGregor loss. Um, those were knockout losses. Those were not good losses, but, um, that happened twice in his whole career. Um, he's a really good fighter. He's been fighting top tier guys for the last decade and has, you know, five losses. Um, that's better than 99.9% of fighters. You know, um, I, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. Um, he was pumped to win the title. Um, it's one of those where, you know, he, he's not a loud mouth. He's not getting arrested. He just busts his ass, works hard, and um, finally got the big win. And I, I, I was happy for him. I've been watching Poirier since he was probably 20 years old, you know. Um, at this point, he's got wins over Max Holloway, Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje, Anthony Pettis, um, Yancey Medeiros, uh, Eric Koch. I remember, I remember him and Eric Koch in WEC um, coming up, and it was like a question: Oh, is either one of these guys going to make it? And he just totally eclipsed Eric Koch. Um, you know, he's going to win over Josh Grisby. He's been around a long time and beaten a lot of good guys. Um, so that, that was good to see. In theory, he should be fighting Khabib next. Um, word on the street is that Dana White is talking September for that fight. But it's a it's a weird thing. You never know what Conor McGregor's going to do. You never know what's going to happen with Tony Ferguson. Um, obviously, Khabib and Conor would make a lot more money than Khabib and Poirier. Um We'll have to see what happens. It's going to come down to what Connor wants to do and if he can negotiate the right kind of money deal. Um, that's what it's all about nowadays. So um, if Connor came out and said, you know, I'll I'll fight Khabib for this amount of money and UFC says that sounds fair, that fight would probably happen next and Poirier will get hosed on the deal, um, which would be too bad. And then, then you got Tony Ferguson waiting in the wings. Obviously, he's got his... Um, personal life and stuff with um his wife and kidnapping the kid and all that drama you don't know where he's at mentally if he's ready to fight but he's lingering around uh the title picture as well um as far as holloway goes i i would presume he'd go back down to 145 dana white said he'd like to see him go back down to 145 he just didn't have the power his power did not translate moving up that one weight class. It was like he was punching Poirier in the face, and Poirier was, for the most part, there was a couple times Poirier looked rock, but 
for the most part, just walked through it. It didn't, it didn't really phase him all that much. And you got to wonder, did Holloway put any muscle on, um, moving up a, a weight class here, or was he just cutting less weight? Basically the same training he did at 145 and just had to cut 10 less pounds. Um, I don't know. I, I I think Holloway could be very competitive at 155. Um, obviously, he hung in there with Poirier for five rounds. But it's also like Holloway's taking a lot of damage, man. He takes a lot of shots. It's been in quite a few five-round fights now. Um, you got to wonder long-term what kind of damage he's taking. He might be better off at 145. He's just got a real slender frame. Um I don't want to say it's like an alien, but it's almost like, you know, if you have like a um, a picture or something and you can like stretch it out vertically, it's almost like Max Holloway's body's been stretched out a little bit vertically. Um, and that, that's really like if you're trying to get it to fit in a, a frame or something um, uh, on your computer, it, it's almost like you, you stretched him out a little bit because he's like that thin and that slender. Um so I, I'm presuming he'll go back down to 145 and defend the title down there. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, in the co-main event, we had another interim title fight. Uh, Israel Adesanya defeated Kelvin Gastelum by unanimous decision 48-46 on all three scorecards uh, to win the interim middleweight championship. Um, Another great fight. The the Poirier Holloway fight was awesome. This fight was awesome. Um, I had it, I believe, tied going into the fifth round, uh, two rounds apiece. And um, Adesanya just, I know it's a cliche um, to say he wanted it more. Um, but he got rocked a little bit there in the fourth. Gasolum won the fourth. Um most of this fight was standing. Gaslam tried for a few takedowns, got a couple, but Adesanya got right back up. Um, and I, I thought Gaslam would win this fight. I thought he'd be able to get the takedowns and do damage on the ground, but he just couldn't. Um, standing, Adesanya, we kind of knew was going to be the better striker. But with that being said, Gaslam was competitive on the feet. He, he's got fast hands, man. And um, he was hanging in there with Adesanya, this much longer, rangier striker, kickboxer. Um, Gaslam hung in there with him for five rounds. So it came down to the, the fifth round. Um, and both guys had been rocked during the fight. Both guys had been knocked down. Um, so they come out for this fifth round. Gaslam comes flying out, um, tries to kind of put Adesanya away, can't do it. Um, seems to get tired. They have this scramble where Adesanya goes for a guillotine. Then he's going for a triangle on the ground. Then Adesanya somehow gets back up on his feet. Gaslam couldn't keep him down. Then Adesanya just, the last two minutes of the fight, put it on Gaslam. Just lit him up standing. Knocked him down, at like, I, I want to say three times in the fifth. And just willed his, win to, willed his way to win that fight. It was... It was an impressive win because Gaslam's a real guy at 185. He's a little small, but he's he's competitive against the best 185-pound guys in the world. This is a, a big win for Adesanya. Obviously, winning the interim title is a, a big deal. Um, 
in theory, he next up for him would be Robert Whitaker, the, I guess, undisputed middleweight champ who's been out with an injury. Um, that'll be a huge fight. You got to assume that would take place in Australia or New Zealand, somewhere in Oceania, as they say. Because um, both guys, Adesanya is from New Zealand, and I think Whitaker's Australian or New Zealand. Either way, that fight should take place down there. That would be huge for for that entire continent. Um, I would I would favor Whitaker. I would also favor Khabib over Poirier for that matter. But um, huge win for Adesanya. Great fight here. Um, it w- it remained standing, and Adesanya got the win. I mean that that makes sense. I I just didn't think he'd be able to stop Gaslam's takedowns, um, but he did. He's your new interim middleweight champion, Israel Adesanya. He and uh, John Jones have been kind of going at it, which is weird because Adesanya weighed in at one eighty three for this fight. He's another tall, lanky dude, and um, him and Jones are going back and forth. Adesanya's calling Jones a bully, um, that he wants to fight John Jones down the road. Um, What did he say here? He said, you guys can believe the hype if you want to. I've seen all I had to see. Uh, My man had a toe-to-toe kick boxing match with a short, stubby wrestler. There's only one John Jones, ladies and gentlemen. Jones wrote that on Twitter. Um, Adesanya responded, John Jones literally reminds me of what I've hated most of my life, bullies. I don't like bullies. I detest bullies. So he's going to get this work, but not until I'm ready to give him this work. I can fight him right now and give him work, but I want to fight him when I know I can fuck him up. So Adesanya wants to fight John Jones at some point, but... John Jones would annihilate Adesanya at this point. Like, the size difference is crazy. It's crazy size difference. Um, Jones would just throw him around the cage. Like, I picture Adesanya just getting suplex, like German suplex, like Brock Lesnar style. Um, it would not be a pretty fight. Adesanya's good. He's talented. He's athletic. and um, But you're talking about, you just, like Jones kind of said, he beat... Kelvin Gastelum, a former welterweight, who's very, very good. But John Jones is a different level. He's a bigger dude. He's also super athletic. Um, Adesanya would not fare well against John Jones right now. A couple years, gets a little more muscle on him. Uh, the ground game improves. Takedown defense, maybe. But John Jones is a different level. He's bigger. It's just, it wouldn't. I don't think it would be even competitive. I think John Jones uh, hurts Israel Adesanya if they fight um, now or even in the next couple of years. Uh, Also on the UFC 236 card, we had Khalil Roundtree defeating Eric Anders, unanimous decision, 30-26 on all three cards. Um, Roundtree looked great. I guess he had been t- training in Thailand, um, you know, like Thai kickboxing, that sort of thing. Um, and it was just lighting Anders up with leg kicks, knocked him down like every round, multiple times. Um, not competitive at all. And Roundtree looked like a different fighter. He was coming off that Johnny Walker loss where he lost by knockout. 
he just put a beating on Andrews here like you don't often see in the UFC at this level. Like it wasn't competitive at all. Um, Roundtree looked really, really good. Um, he's 29 um, and is 8-3-1 and one now with, you know, the majority of his fights in the UFC. So he's kind of learning in the UFC as he goes. He was only 4-0 and when he got into the UFC. Um, so now he's 8-3, and three, so I, I guess he'd be 4-3 and three in the UFC. But he's got knockout wins over Gokan Saki, uh, this destruction of Eric Anders. Um, so for, for a guy who's still learning, learning MMA, um, there's some potential there. I, I, I don't know if he'll ever be like a championship contender, but he could easily be a top 10 guy for the next, you know, five years anyways. He, he looks, he looks pretty good. Uh, what else did we have on this show? Uh, Dwight Grant defeated Alan Jobron, uh, split decision. Jobron was upset about that decision. Krita Kryloff uh, got a win over OSP with a rear naked choke. Pretty impressive win for him. Uh, Kryloff, of course, was in the UFC a couple years ago, left, came back, lost to Bukovic in his last fight, but got a win here. Um prelims uh, nothing too excited Bilal Muhammad defeated Curtis Melender uh, Alexander Pantoja defeated Wilson Hayes by TKO uh, Khalid Taha defeated Boston Salmon by TKO um, that's pretty much it here uh, fight of the night went to Poirier versus Holloway and Gaslam versus Adesanya, um, which was fair. Those fights were unbelievable. No performances of the night. Uh, each guy got a $50,000 bonus. Uh, a little bit of controversy over the payouts. Um, Poirier, here's the thing. This is what the UFC reports to the commissions as the guy's contracted pay. Poirier got 250000 Holloway got 350000 Adesanya got 350000 Gastelum got 150000 for the main events, which, considering these were five-round fights where these guys beat the living hell out of each other, that's not a lot of money. But people forget there's discretionary bonuses. Sometimes the UFC will just hand you a check after the fight, if you have a great fight. Um, and in theory, we don't know what these pay-per-view numbers are like on ESPN, but UFC's getting um, a set amount of money per show from ESPN for these pay-per-view events. So usually the main eventers, guys in title fights, get a cut of that pay-per-view revenue. Um you know, it might be a dollar a buy after 250,000 buys, and it escalates from there depending on who the fighter is and, and their contract. Um, so these, like, published salaries aren't the true story. These guys made more money. Um, do we know how much? No. But they at least doubled those numbers. At least 
at least double them because uh, they get pay-per-view points. So the people who are complaining about what these guys got paid for these main event fights don't really know the full story. Neither do I. I'm not claiming I know the full story, but I do know there's pay-per-view bonuses, um, especially for main adventures in title fights. It's just part of their contracts. That's one of the reasons these guys want to win titles and be in main events on pay-per-view. They get paid more. Um, so, yeah, that was UFC 236. Um, there were some issues for fans trying to buy the show. Uh, apparently, if you subscribe to ESPN+, Plus, that's $5 a month, right? There's an app for it. You can get it on your phone or on your Apple TV, however, however you want to watch ESPN+. Plus. But you pay 5 bucks a month for that, and then... The idea was you could go on the app and buy this additional pay-per-view show, but you couldn't do it on like um, an Apple TV or an iPhone. It wouldn't it wouldn't work for people. Uh, fighters were even posted on the night, like Frankie Edgar had a, a screenshot where he's like, "What am I doing wrong? I can't get the show." Um, but I guess the issue was you had to go like online on like a laptop or a desktop computer and order the show there um, through UFC essentially because if you order it through like an Apple device or you had to essentially what happens is there's a revenue split between Apple and the UFC in that case or ESPN I guess now where Apple gets 30% of the purchase and UFC ESPN only gets 70%. So they didn't want people to purchase the pay-per-view that way. They wanted to purchase it through like a a traditional computer, essentially. Um, so that was a problem for a lot of people. A lot of people couldn't get the show or figure out how to do it. Um, it's a kink that they'll probably work out uh, over time. This was their first pay-per-view through ESPN Plus, so I, I, I'm not real surprised that there were issues. Uh, Dana White commented, he said, not too long ago we were in pay-per-view negotiations and we didn't like the way they were going. So what you don't ever want to do is to give us a little time to think outside the box. So we started talking to ESPN. The talks moved really fast and we struck a deal with ESPN. We knew we had to pull this fight off very soon on both sides. And we knew that there were going to be some hiccups. Hopefully there aren't. Hopefully you can get everything dialed in. The next one will be much better. The next one you'll be able to purchase right through the app. It's going to get easier. It's going to get better. You know, it's a first time thing. Um, It's like anything. Until you get in there and see what happens, you don't know what all the issues are going to be. So, um White continued, I'm not just saying this because I'm in business with these guys. You know, you've seen me in business with guys, and I don't exactly love being in business with it. happens sometimes. These guys are so good at what they do. They're so good. They're so on top of everything. We'll get the problems that people had tonight fixed, and it's only going to get better. So there you go. There were issues ordering the show, though. I don't know how many purchases they lost because of it, Um, but... It's a bummer if somebody wants to buy your product and they can't because 
you know, you make it too difficult for him. <laughs> you know, it's like, I want to watch the show and I can't figure out how to do it. Like, WTF, as the kids say. Uh... Oh, <laughs> Luke Rockhold and Anthony Smith are having a war of words as it were. Um, Anthony Smith was at a presser. I guess Rockhold said Anthony Smith looked bad in his loss against John Jones, which is a fair assessment. He got his ass kicked for five rounds. Um, so Anthony Smith was at a presser and said he, when he sees him, he's going to punch a hole in his face, drill a hole in Rockhold's face at this press conference, and he wants to fight Rockhold after he fights Gustafson. Um, and Rockhold, of course, is moving up to 205. He's fighting um, Jan Blakovich, I believe. Um, Rockhold uh, called Smith an errand boy for the UFC. He said, the truth hurts. I don't know. Some people just can't take the truth, and that's a problem. I always tell it. He can keep talking, keep running his mouth, but he had his opportunity against Jones. He could have manned up instead of being a bitch and being an errand boy for the UFC. There's balls to take fights, and there's balls to not take fights. I saw his interview, and he obviously didn't want to take the fight with Gustafson. He wanted to take some time off. He could have done that. Could have stuck to your word because I would have been right here. First thing I asked the UFC after that fight, make this thing happen. Then he bitched out and ran their errands and went out to Stockholm. Um, so they're they're going at it, man. They're they're building that fight up, and it, it's kind of a bummer that Rockhold's going to fight Bolkovich, and you know Anthony Smith's going to fight Alexander Gustafson because I want to see Smith versus Rockhold. That fight sounds fun. Um, yeah, I, I like the, the shit talk between both of them. Uh, Rich Franklin is going into the UFC Hall of Fame. Uh, Franklin, former middleweight champ, uh, nicknamed Ace because he kind of looked like Jim Carrey, Ace Ventura. Um, I always liked Rich Franklin. He'd fight anybody. He fought at 185, he fought at 205, he fought all over the world. Um, was always competitive in fights, never really, um, got his ass kicked except for that last fight he had against Kung Lee where he got knocked out, um, bad, that was like a bad knockout and that was the last time he fought, um, back in 2012, I, I know he's an executive with one now, he hasn't really been on the scene much in the UFC at all, so I was kind of surprised to see him go into the Hall of Fame, um, right now just cause, you know, we haven't seen much of him in the UFC or around at all. So that was kind of a surprise to me, but um, he was the best middleweight in the world until Anderson Silva came around, you know? Um, he was 22 and one when he fought Silva the first time and was the UFC champ, like pretty good guy. Um, even back then he had, um, you know, pretty good wins like over, at the time, I mean, now they're not as impressive, but Marvin Eastman, Evan Tanner, um, Jorge Rivera, Shamrock, Nate Quarry, David Luasso. Um, then he walked into Anderson Silva, and it was like, 
Anderson Silva's just a different level of guy. Um, but then after the Silva loss, he won two straight. He beat Jason McDonald, who was a good middleweight at the time. Yushin Okami, a perennial contender. Um, then he fights Anderson Silva again and gets knocked out again. Um, so it, it, he had a very good career. He's deserving to be in the Hall of Fame. Was a good face for the UFC in the early days, you know, back in 05. Um, school teacher, had his master's degree, um, came over to MMA, and um, the UFC played that up, man, um, when they were trying to get sponsors and TV deals. One of our champs is a school teacher. He's got his master's. It it looked good. Um, and he was a good fighter, man. He was well-rounded, good on the feet, uh, good wrestling, um, incredible cardio. I, I remember some videos of him back in the day, um, on those specials where they were building fights, just some of the training he did from one exercise to another, just nonstop lifting weights, running up and down, jumping rope, just, um, incredible cardio, um, would fight anybody at any weight, had a few fights at 195, 190, um, fought everybody. He beat Vanderlei Silva twice, um, knocked out Chuck Liddell, uh, at 205, you know, um, he fought Forrest Griffin, and Griffin was a much bigger dude, and he went three rounds with Griffin, um, good fighter, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, um, kind of forgotten by modern fans, I feel like, just because he's never at UFC events, he's never around, so, um, it's good to see him go in, uh, (laughs) Leslie Smith is signed with Bellator, remember Smith was kind of unceremoniously uh, released from her contract from the UFC. I think she was scheduled for a fight and the woman missed weight or something that she was going to fight and they just released her after. Um, the idea was it was because she was trying to start a union or an association with Project Spearhead. So the UFC just cut her essentially. Um See here, Smith, who was on the last fight of her contract with the UFC, said at the time that she proposed to sign a new deal with the promotion in order to take a fight. According to the fighter, the UFC decided to pay her the show money and win bonus and part ways. Um, she's going to fight in Bellator at featherweight. Um, I don't think she has an opponent set yet. Uh, no. Leslie Smith, um, she also fought Cyborg once. Like, she'll fight anybody. Um, she she doesn't have the best record ever. Uh, I think she's like 10-7 and seven now. Um, but she'll fight anybody. There's no fear there. And um, she's definitely willing to speak her mind and go to uh, battle for what she believes in. Um, hey... She's going to be off the radar in Bellator, and no one will really care. But um, good to see her fighting again, you know. Um, She kind of got blackballed by the UFC. Um, I wonder how she feels about how Bellator does business and how they pay people and drug tests because um, I can't imagine she's making much more money in Bellator than she was in the UFC. Um, And I wonder if there's any kind of agreement about or trying to start a union in Bellator or Project Spearhead, or how they feel about um, 
her trying to unionize fighters. I wonder how that'll play out. Uh, this weekend, we've got uh, two shows, actually. One is taking place in Japan in Ryzen uh, at the Yokohama Arena on April 21st. That's actually Easter Sunday. Uh, in the main event, we've got uh, an inaugural light heavyweight championship fight, uh, Yuri Projaska versus King Mo Muhammad Lawal. Um, Tenshin Nasakawa is also on the card in a kickboxing match. You got uh, Horiguchi versus Ben Wynn. Um, no other real names are catching my eye right now. Uh, no Gabby Garcia, unfortunately. Uh, that's kind of a bummer. Uh, what else we get? Yeah, not a lot of name value on this one, but um, there's a Ryzen show. King Mo's on it, so that that's something on Sunday. Uh, I think you can go watch those through Fight TV, but uh, that's an app you can download. Then uh, we also have a UFC show this weekend. This one is on Saturday, April 20th, 420, dude. Uh, in St. Petersburg, Russia, at the Ubelny Sports Palace. I believe this will be the UFC's second trip to Russia. Um, this These Russia shows are funny because they talked about running a huge stadium show in Russia, and they've been trying to get into Russia for years. Now they're putting these fight night cards on, which nobody's really watching, and there's not a lot of name value to it. You would have thought they'd do Khabib in a stadium against somebody. Um, and that never happened. I mean, Connor even said at one point he wanted to fight Khabib in Russia, which would have been crazy. But uh, this one is headlined by Alistair Overeem and Alexei Olenek. Olenek is a Russian gentleman. Let's see where exactly Olenek's from. He's the guy who always gets those Ezekiel chokes. I think he's got like 60 fights. He's 41 years old, uh, nicknamed the Boa Constrictor. He is Russian and Ukrainian, it looks like. Um, he's 57-11-1. He's coming off a win over Mark Hunt he, with a rear naked choke. But he's got a ton of Ezekiel choke wins, which is like a really obscure jujitsu hold. Like, a guy will mount him, and somehow he kind of like wraps his like forearms around the guy's neck and chokes him out. He does it over and over again, and like there's literally no one else who finishes guys this way in MMA. He's got Ezekiel choke win over Junior Albini. He's got an Ezekiel choke over Victor Pesta. Um, he's got scarfold headlock wins over like Krokop. Um, Rear naked choke over Jeff Monson. Like, he's just crazy. Crazy uh, submission games. He's got some sort of grip and power in those arms that surprises guy and catches him off guard. Um, I can't imagine he's got the power to do that to a guy as big and strong as Overeem, but Olenek surprises you, man. Um he just does. I, I don't know how he does it. I can't imagine Overeem even letting the fight go to the ground. But sometimes Olenek will just like pull guard on you. Like he'll stumble backwards and pull you with him and get this Ezekiel choke on you. Um, Overeem, 
uh, is coming off a win against Sergei Pavlovic um, back in November. So he's been off about six months. Before that, he had two knockout losses in a row to Nganu and Curtis Blade. So um, he's got a win under his belt. And, you know, Overeem's always two fights away from a title shot. You know, he gets a big win here and then will be in the mix against the top contender. He wins that. He's going to get a title shot because Overeem's big and scary looking and, you know, he hits hard. Uh, <laughs> in the co-main, it's not looking good. We've got Islam Makachev versus Arman Sarukian. That is your co-main of this show. Uh, Makachev um, has had a good run in the UFC. He is um, currently 5-1. and one. Uh, I believe he fights at 155. Um, he's not a ranked guy or anything, but yeah, he fights at 155. Um, his biggest win is... He's got wins over solid guys. Chris Wade, Nick Lentz, Gleason Tebow... And Cajun Johnson. So he's beat decent guys. Um, and obviously he'd be a, the favorite against Armand Sarukian, who I've never heard of and doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. We've also got Sergei Pavlovich back against Marcelo Gohm. Ivan Tikarov versus Devin Clark. Foxy Roxy Modafferi is fighting um, Antonina Shevchenko. Um, the sister of current bantamweight champion, um, Valentina. Uh, I don't like Roxy's chances in that one. Christoph Jocko versus Alan Admovoski. Um, all these fights are on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, the prelims are pretty thin. Marcin Tibora, recognize that name. Antigalov, recognize that name. Most of these guys you're not going to know. There's some, um, I think, Chinese fighters on the show, too. Um, this is just a thinner fight night card in Russia. Um, UFC's not really going after it in Russia at all. And it, it, it's just surprising because, you know, with the history of Fedor and M1 and Khabib now, um, they've got a lot of big-name fighters and, you know... Uh, a base of fans there yet that you think the UFC would try and take more advantage of, but um, <laughs> they're just not. They just aren't doing it. And I don't want to say it's baffling. It just strikes me as odd. Um, you would think that would be a big potential market. They tried to get in there for years, and now they're in there, and they're, you know, kind of half-assing it. Uh, I think that's it for MMA stuff. I'm going to... Take a quick peek at the phone. Make sure no news broke here because that can happen. Um, I do have one other funny story that caught my eye over the last week. Um, we haven't done the weird WTF news lately. Um, but no, it doesn't look like there's much breaking news. Um, there was um, a positive... Um, Steroid test in boxing. Jarrell Miller tested positive before his fight with Anthony Joshua, so it appears that Joshua fights off. Um, 
Oh, Jordan Burroughs, former Olympic gold medalist, wants to um, have one MMA fight before he, um, you know, ends his sports career, which is weird because it's hard to get good at anything if you only do it once. Um, he hasn't signed a deal with anyone or anything, but it looks like he wants to do a one-off fight. Although, like, if the money's good and he wins that fight, I wouldn't be surprised if he fought a couple more, but... Um, Jordan Burr is one of the greatest wrestlers in American history. Um, talking about getting into MMA. Um, we'll see if he does and where he ends up. Um, it'd be weird to see him come in for one fight in the UFC. Usually the UFC likes to build fighters up and make money off of them over, you know, several years. Um, a one-off fight with Jordan Burroughs doesn't sound like it would be, um, something they'd be too into. Um, Unless, you know, Burroughs wants to go in there and fight Khabib or something uh, in his first fight. But um, we'll see what he wants to do and when he wants to do it. Uh, the one story I wanted to share with everybody that caught my eye. Um, I've got school-age kids, 5 and 10, and uh, these parents in Connecticut, um, their kids were supposed to have a baseball game. So the field was wet, like the infield was, it rained and the kids couldn't play. So these parents decided to um, dump 25 gallons of gasoline and set it on fire in order to dry out the field. Um, the hope to dry out the infield before the game resulted in flames shooting 15 feet into the air and costing an estimated $50,000 worth of damage Uh Tarps now dot the field at Governor Park in Ridgefield. Um, they had to hire a spill crew to spend most of Saturday and all of Sunday removing the contaminated soil. It appears that about 15 to 20 parents took turns dumping the 25 gallons of gas on the field while more than 100 people stood around and watched. How do you get so many stupid people together at a Little League game to do this? The field's wet. Cancel the game. It's Little League. Who cares? Not only that, somebody went to the gas station and bought 25 gallons of gas. I don't even know if they make a gas container that big. Like, I've got, like, a five-gallon one, I think, for, like, a, a generator we've got and, like, snowblower, lawnmower, that sort of stuff. I think that's five gallons. You had to get five of those. Put them in a car. Just the gas alone would have cost, what, like, 60 bucks? Something. About 60, 70 bucks for 25 gallons of gas. You spent that money. You got the gas containers all together. You drive to the field with about 100 people around. 20 other parents grabbed these containers of gas and decided to dump them on a Little League field in Connecticut. Then they grabbed some matches, a lighter, a blowtorch. I don't know how you light this. I've never poured gas on the ground and lit it on fire. Maybe I'm just a wimp. I don't know. And then you think that's going to dry the field? Usually, like, when there's a fire, you put water on the fire. 
and then it's still wet after. Everything's soaked and ruined because you put the fire out with water. Like, I guess maybe they thought it would, like, uh, burn off the water on the infield. Just let it dry. The sun will do it. Just cancel the game. Like, the field was on fire and the kids couldn't play because you set the field on fire. 20 of you. There wasn't one person there who said, what are you guys doing? Like, usually I let people just do whatever if it's not going to affect me. But I would have been, I would have I spoken up, I think, in this situation and said, guys, this isn't a good idea. This isn't a good idea. They destroyed the field. They lit the field on fire. And there's gas everywhere. Like, they had to, crews had to come in the next couple days and dig out all the dirt because it was all, like, infested with gas. Um, First selectman of Ridgefield in Connecticut, Rudy Marconi, said, that was a bad, bad idea. There are going to be negative consequences associated with that. Unfortunately, I think a lot of the people who were involved were looking more at becoming part of a solution and they felt good in participating. Now that the bad soil is gone, state inspectors will be back later in the week to test the ground. Environmental and health officials advise against ever using this method to dry a ball field because it contaminates the soil and could be hazardous to human health. Oh, kids shouldn't be rolling around in dirt soaked in gasoline? Who knew? Who knew that would be bad? The question now is whether those that dump the gas should be prosecuted and who exactly is responsible for the bills. This costs 50 grand. This costs the taxpayers in this town 50 grand because these dumbass parents dump gas all over the field. There will be some kind of financial restitution that is going to have to be made because it's not fair that the remaining residents of this community should bear the brunt of paying for something this foolish, Marconi said. The town's insurance company is now involved. The adjust told the town's leadership this is going to go down in the top three most bizarre claims he's ever seen. Okay. This insurance ingester has seen two more claims that could be as bizarre as this. Like, I want to interview that guy. Insurance adjusters might have the coolest job ever. There's two more incidents more bizarre than 20 parents <laughs> dumping 25 gallons of gas on a field and lighting it on fire for their kids. There's two things that are competitive with that. I can't imagine what those would be. I want to know. I want to talk to some insurance adjusters. That They might have the most interesting job in the world and none of us knew it until this show today. MMA show number 13. MMA MMA show number 13 here. No one knew about it until now. Insurance adjusters. That's where it's at. Uh, and that's it for this week. Matt's middle-aged mixed martial arts show. This was the 13th episode. Check us out on Twitter, MMA, MMA show one. Or on Instagram, MMA, MMA show. I appreciate you taking the time to listen uh, listener numbers were up this past week, which is nice. Let's see if we can keep that train rolling towards the station. People say that. I'm not good with phrases and sayings. 
Uh, I butcher them a lot. I'm like a uh, regular Brendan Schaub. Not good at talking. On that note, thank you for listening. Uh, Follow us on all platforms. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, um, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. We're we're everywhere. Uh, Again, I appreciate you listening, and we look forward to being back next week. Uh, Talk to you later. Bye.